Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. We are so glad you've joined us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Yesterday we had no good martinis. Today we have a double-fisted good martini as well as a bad and a crazy. But before we get to the good aspects, we've got to uh, catch up on some of the Less good aspects of the Andrew Cuomo story in New York State. Yesterday, we had a lot of the comments from Attorney General Tish James, who uh, released the scathing report about uh, Andrew Cuomo's sexual harassment towards many different women. Uh, We recorded before uh, we got the video, not a public statement, a video from Andrew Cuomo. And so uh, here are a number of excerpts from that. First of all, of course, his blanket denial. I want you to know directly from me that I never touched anyone inappropriately or made inappropriate sexual advances. I am 63 years old. I have lived my entire adult life in public view. That is just not who I am. I don't know. Now that things seem to be crumbling around you, it feels like everybody knows that that's who you are. But uh, as we said yesterday, Jim, he's blaming it on politics. It's all politics. Remember where we are. Today, we are living in a superheated, if not toxic, political environment. That shouldn't be lost on anyone. Politics and bias are interwoven throughout every aspect of this situation. And the best part, Jim, or the most cringeworthy, depending on your position, is uh, Andrew Cuomo suggesting none of these people understand the difference between good touch and bad touch. I've been making the same gesture in public all my life. I actually learned it from my mother and from my father. It is meant to convey warmth, nothing more. Indeed, there are hundreds, if not thousands of photos of me using the exact same gesture. Which he then put in the video. But okay, let's get to the good part of this, Martini, Jim. First of all, it looks like uh, the Democrats are not just uh, lining up and calling for him to resign from Joe Biden to Pelosi and Schumer all the way down to uh, New York State legislators. But uh, this is a statement from the Speaker of the New York State Assembly. After our conference this afternoon to discuss the Attorney General's report concerning sexual harassment allegations against Governor Cuomo, it is abundantly clear to me that the governor has lost the confidence of the Assembly, Democratic majority, and that he can no longer remain in office. Once we receive all relevant documents and evidence from the Attorney General, we will move expeditiously and look to conclude our impeachment investigation as quickly as possible. So that would seem to suggest that uh, he thinks he's got the votes to remove Cuomo if it comes to that, if he doesn't leave before then, and by all indications, he won't. Also, Maris doing a snap poll last night. 59% of New Yorkers now, including 52% of registered Democrats, say Cuomo should resign. 32% say he should serve out the rest of his term. Uh, While Cuomo denies the allegations, 44% of New Yorkers believe Cuomo did something illegal and 29% think he did something unethical but not illegal. Only 11% of New Yorkers, including 12% of registered voters, think he deserves to be reelected. 78% say it's time for someone else. So, Jim, it looks like the dam is bursting here, but until he's actually packing up the office and leaving, I'm still not going to believe it. Yeah, don't count any chickens until they hatch. But that said, that poll result 
is a shift. Uh, and one of the things that have been particularly frustrating for those of us who believe that Andrew Cuomo is a terrible human being and should be kicked out of office at the earliest convenience was his poll numbers remain pretty high. And that as much as people who are following this closely found his behavior on both the sexual harassment issue and his lying about the nursing home issue uh, absolutely unacceptable. By and large, the average New Yorker gotten used to it. Hey, what are you going to do? I love the sing-songy voice he speak to us in, um, that they just were not interested. It looks like there's been a shift. We'll see if it changes. But it does appear that this top to bottom, like, we knew there was going to be a bad report from the state attorney general, Tish James, who's not generally, you know, someone conservatives are applauding. Um, but this was this was about as bad as it could get. There was no wiggle room in this. There was no some of these appear to be misunderstandings or anything like that. And it was, you know, very clear violations of the law. I think Cuomo did himself damage with that video. An interesting question was going to be, is there going to be contrition? Is he going to acknowledge he hadn't done things right now? The Cuomo line is that all of these people are lying about him that he never did any of this. And that for some reason, all of these women he's worked with over the years just spontaneously decided to do this, to make up stories about him and to accuse him of things that he never did. And his, you know, the particularly galling aspect of this that he is claiming that all of his former staffers and all these former staffers of the New York State Executive Branch are doing this out of partisan animus, Greg. <laughs> Do you think there are a lot of Republicans working for uh, Andrew Cuomo? No, I don't buy that. So um, just kind of just just baffled and just kind of, uh, you know, this there is a certain shamelessness, almost a psychosis. The point I kept making yesterday was that of all the cases, all the cases are pretty terrible. But the one that jumps out is that one of them is a New York state trooper who was he had reassigned to his personal protective detail. Greg, I don't know about you, but I have a feeling that even Bill Clinton would say, whoa, 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 you don't want to hit on a state trooper. Those women are armed, Andy. It'll get you. you know. um, that's how utterly, how, that's how much Andrew Cuomo was convinced he was untouchable and that no one would ever give him too much grief for his sexual harassment. Um, so I think he has made the task harder for any New York Democrats who want to kick the can down the road or sweep it under the rug or something like that. If you are a New York Democrat who would rather just not do this, rather just not deal with this, then he's making your job harder with this instead of the, oh, I had no idea. I feel so bad about this. The defiant stance is making it tougher for him. And I think it makes it more likely that the uh, New York State Legislature will have to take some action. And I think it's much easier for a New York State Legislative Democrat to say, to, to avert their eyes and just issue a brief statement uh, to call on him to resign, knowing that he's not going to resign, that it is for them to vote. No, I do not believe this warrants removal from office. Yeah, I mean, that's utterly absurd. I mean, it should have happened a long time ago because of the nursing home scandal. Uh, but uh, as Janice Dean said, he just needs to go. Uh, it's too bad that uh, his victims uh, from that scandal uh, can't speak up at uh, at this point. But uh, if this is what it takes to get him out, uh, she'll accept that. But uh, Jim, you know who else ought to be really upset today? Italians, because basically Andrew Cuomo is saying, you misunderstood me. I'm not a predator. I'm just Italian. I'm affectionate. I mean, come on. We all touch each other. You know, no, sorry. Yeah, I'm not buying it. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, man. All right. Well, let's talk about something uh, much happier than what's happening in New York, although it's it's good that uh, the Democrats seem to be heading in the direction of impeachment. But, uh, you know, it's uh, even better than uh, following uh, the situation in New York is getting a fantastic rate on your auto and home insurance. But there's only one place that actually does it the right way with clear rates. Get a better insurance with Gabby. And we know you can do it at Gabby because I've done it. Gabby is the one true comparison platform with fast, verifiable quotes, not ballpark guesses. They use your current policy to find a better policy, comparing your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers. And we're talking about companies like Progressive and Nationwide and Travelers, all in one place. You just use your current insurance information to get started. It's free and they only show policies that are the same or better than your current coverage. And many of them are likely to be at a lower price. In fact, Gabby customers save $961 per year on average, and they'll never sell your information. So you'll never have to deal with annoying spam or robocalls. You can save a ton of money and the process is super easy. You just go to Gabby.com slash martini, go through their several prompts. It's all information you already know. And at the end, you link to your current uh, insurance policy. So it could not be simpler. And then it's up to you, of course, what you want to do with that information and whether or not you want to change your coverage. We went through it. We ultimately decided to keep our current coverage, uh, but it's great to have that peace of mind. So put your policy to the test like I did. Get a better insurance with Gabby. It's totally free to check and there's no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash martini. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash martini. One more time, Gabby.com slash martini. All right, Jim, let's move to our bad martini now. And yesterday, uh, Joe Biden uh, met with the press and was talking about a number of things. Uh, He also at that press conference uh, urged Cuomo to resign. He also, I think, put in a place that you got to be vaccinated to do contracting work with the government now. And he's also trying to reinstate the moratorium on evictions, uh, which had been in place, I guess, for what, about 16 months now. But it expired at the end of July. You had uh, one of the squad members there, Cory Bush, sleeping out on the Capitol steps, demanding that this get put back in place. Uh, but the Supreme Court has made it pretty clear that it's uh, time for this moratorium to end. But that's not going to stop Joe Biden. He's now weaseling it back into uh, service, at least in some areas, through the CDC. So if you're a hard-hit area right now with COVID, uh, the CDC is going to uh, announce that the uh, moratorium is back in place. But uh, here's Biden saying, uh, yeah, it's probably not constitutional, but we're going to do it anyway. Clip one. The bulk of the constitutional scholarship says that it's not likely to pass constitutional muster, number one. But there are several key scholars who think that it may, and it's worth the effort. And then the uh, ridiculous part is here, he's saying, oh, this isn't really me. I've always said I'm staying out of the medical stuff. So it's really the CDC's call here, but we're probably headed in this direction. They're about to make a judgment as to potential other options. Whether that option will pass constitutional measure with this administration, I can't tell you. I don't know. There are a few scholars who say it will and others who say it's not likely to. But at a minimum, by the time it gets litigated, it will probably give some additional time while we're getting that $45 billion out to people who are, in fact, behind in the rent and don't have the money. 
Jim, did you get that? He's basically saying, I know we're going to lose this case, but it's going to buy us time to keep this going for a few more months. Greg, what did Joe Biden do on January 20th? He swore to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. I, I was going to say, I don't quite have you. Look, I'm not the guy who can tell you whether this is constitutional or not. The Supreme, It looks like the Supreme Court says it isn't, but I'm going to do it anyway. No, <laughs> that's not the way the presidency works. And I can't help but you know be reminded of when Barack Obama kept insisting, look, I, I don't have the authority to unilaterally extend DACA protections. And, you know, and, all this, and then he turned around and did it. And all of a sudden there was this recognition of, you know, the sudden discovery of constitutional powers that he didn't have before. Um, this is not just cynical. There's two points. First is that if you, if you want to read a really good editorial on this, the editors have a good one on this Biden's eviction overreach. Um, my colleague Charlie Cook and I, who I, you know, agree with like 90 some percent of the time, we had a slight disagreement on the most recent taping of the editor's podcast. Charlie Cook's position is that the eviction moratorium was always unconstitutional, that it was always well beyond any recognized authority of the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, that they have no business getting involved in the in what goes on between a, uh, a renter and the rentee, and or a landlord and the renter, and uh, there's really no way to justify this in any way, shape, or form. I think you can justify a move like this in the first couple months of the pandemic, and remember this originally came through with the CARES Act, um, but then it kept getting extended, it kept getting extended. And the point that I would make now, and I think it's kind of, look, I'm perfectly fine. And I think conservatives have always done a really good job on asking that very first question, is this constitutional? Does the government have the authority to do this? But I think once we, you know, and I, I would not glide over that discussion. I'm glad we're having that, not just that discussion, like there's been a vehement pushback against this. I do also think, though, that like we're kind of all, all the, the, the focus on that kind of dances around the fact that it's not March 2020 anymore. This is now August 2021. And, you know, the unemployment rate, yeah, in April 2020, it was 14.8%. It was really bad. Lots of people couldn't go to, couldn't go to work. Couldn't go to work, couldn't get paid, couldn't pay the rent. Very understandable. People wanted, you know, help with that. The unemployment rate is now 5.9%. That is within the normal range. Not, not quite as good as it was before the pandemic, but that's, you know, 5.9% unemployment is not an economic crisis. It is not a recession. It is not uh, deprivation and hardship and all that stuff. In fact, the country has 9.2 million unfilled jobs. I believe that's a record. Last month, 850,000 people found jobs. So I would put to the people who want to extend the moratorium, when is it reasonable to expect people to start paying their rents again? Economic normal conditions have returned. At that point, there's really no reason to say, no, no, paying your rent is optional. We're not going to let uh, landlords evict you because things are so hard. They're not so hard anymore. It's time to return to normalcy. And this is one of those situations. And the president saying, look, it's probably unconstitutional, but we're going to do it anyway, because it's going to take a while for the Supreme Court to decide it's unconstitutional. It's a deliberate choice to violate the Constitution. And it's also fun to watch uh, the media with this. They were basically cheerleading this idea uh, yesterday. You can probably imagine that uh, if Trump was uh, planning to uh, defy a Supreme Court order and you know let the program persist while it played out in the courts, not sure the White House press corps would have probably taken the same approach, but you know that's just me. All right, let's uh, move on to uh, a discussion of the ways to stay comfortable if you're not leaving your house because you don't have to um, 
pay rent and you've got that uh, government assistance coming in, uh, you can probably afford my pillow too, especially with the deals they got going right now. Uh, the pillows are great, the sheets are great, but there's also the fantastic, luxurious towels. They're big and they're soft and they're fluffy and they get you dry super fast. And right now, my pillow's huge sale is still going on. The six piece towel set, which usually sells for $109.99, is now available for just $39.99. Each set is two bath towels, two hand towels, and a washcloth two pack. And they're made from proprietary technology that makes them highly absorbent. They're soft to the touch without that lotion y feel. And they're made with cotton grown right here in the United States of America. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're machine washable, and they have a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. Hard to beat that deal. Visit MyPillow.com, use the promo code MARTINI at checkout, or call 800-874-0104. The MyPillow six-piece towel set for only $39.99. Now, while you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets and the MyPillow premium pillows. MyPillow.com, code word MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. All right, Jim, let's get to our crazy now. And we've had a lot of it from the CDC and so many other places about uh, protocols and policies now that the Delta variant numbers are up in a number of places around the country. But uh, our latest uh, dipping of the toe into insanity comes from uh, Dr. Francis Collins, the head of the National Institutes of Health. Yeah, technically, he's Fauci's boss, I think. But... Um, he is um, getting some blowback today because he was on CNN with John Berman yesterday talking about uh, ways to protect kids, especially young kids who aren't uh, old enough to be eligible for the vaccine yet. And uh, he wants you to be wearing a mask inside your house to protect them. Here's what he said. You do need to think about it. And that's the reason why the recommendations are uh, for kids under 12 uh, that they avoid being in places where they might get infected, which means recommendations of mask wearing in schools and that at home uh, parents of unvaccinated kids should be thoughtful about this. And the recommendation is to wear masks there as well. Let me just follow up. I on know that, that's though. uncomfortable. I know it seems weird, but it is the best way to protect your kid. Boy, Jim, it's a real mystery why these people aren't taken very seriously anymore. Yeah, Francis Collins is a guy who, entering into this pandemic, uh, had great respect for, actually read one or two things. You know, he was not, he served under Trump. He's served, continuing to serve under Biden. He's been there a long time under both administrations, was not seen as a, much of a political operator, was seen as the kind of guy who was a straight shooter. And one, I think the question about gain of function research, there's some very tough questions to be directed uh, at him and the NIH funding. But I think also on this one, we should know that shortly thereafter, he went onto Twitter and said, I completely garbled it. No, you don't have to wear a mask around your kids. Uh, sorry about that. You know, and look, yes, we all make mistakes. And so I, I don't want to uh, whack around Francis Collins like a pinata just for going onto TV and, and just coming out and blurting something out. But that I do wonder, though, Greg, how much practice does Francis Collins do for these sorts of interviews? Because... I, when you're live there and the camera's staring at you, that's really not the time to free associate or just kind of wing it or brainstorm new ideas. And new or, or the second is if you find yourself saying, it sounds really weird, but <laughs> it probably me. Like, I, I sit there thinking, like, did he test this? Did he float this in front of his other? Hey, what do you think if I went on TV and said, hey, parents should wear masks around their kids? At home. Um, 
you know, sir, I don't think that's a good idea. Okay, I'll, I'll tell. I'll admit it sounds weird, but I'm going to go out there and endorse it. You know, um, I, I, the other thing which becomes clearer month by month, and and maybe we're approaching year by year. The kinds of people who become public health officials, kinds of people who step into government at any level because they are concerned about public health and this sort of thing, they're generally not the kind of people who like to enjoy skydiving on weekends. <laughs> they are probably, in fact, quite literally, I believe it was back in the 80s, there was this example of a guy who uh, traffic in the, in the Washington, D.C. area was bad. It's always bad. But the, apparently the uh, one complication was that they did identified one driver who kept going like 55 miles or less in the left-hand lane on Interstate 395 heading into Washington, D.C. And that's where all, you know, like always a terrible. But so they finally tracked down this guy and they asked him, why do you do this? And he says, because that's safe. And I do not, just because everybody else is doing unsafe things doesn't mean that I have to do them. And they said, what do you do for a living? Is I approve drugs for the FDA. <laughs> An FDA administrator was honest to goodness, the person who had so little risk acceptance that he was driving up and fouling up traffic for everybody else, even though we all know lots of people go way more than 55 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone. Um, it's an entire philosophy and approach to life. And my attitude towards freedom is if you want to live that way, fine, you go ahead and you do that. But the problem is that we have given, in the case of we, this previous martini, we discussed the CDC rules on moratoriums you know, not quite dictatorial power to the CDC and FDA during this crisis, but really far reaching ones. So, you know, there's, if a state agency says, yes, you should do this, there are a whole bunch of governors in this country who will have, Good, yeah, print it out, get it off the printer, let me sign it into law. They will do it instantaneously because they have the mentality of, well, this is safe. Except that's not the job of governors and mayors and presidents and everybody else. Their job is to say, okay, here's what the health, public health experts say is safest. What is the cost of that? And it's not just the public health cost, it's the economic cost, it's the social cost, it's like, like the, the, the safest thing to do is have everybody in their houses and never come out for as many days as possible until the virus dies off. But we can't live that way. And they, we've already made all kinds of sacrifices to try to control this pandemic. You cannot go out and say, look, this is, just, you know, as Ron Klain did on Twitter, look, we need you to make more sacrifices to slow the spread because everybody remembers 15 days to slow the spread back in March 2020. It is just utter obliviousness to what public opinion and what public attitudes really are. Whole bunch of public health administrators. Greg, they come up with ideas that are perfect for robots. <laughs> Unfortunately, or fortunately, human beings are not robots, and you cannot simply program new parameters into them, into them and get them to do that. Getting people to alter their behavior is tougher, and it also requires recognition of the trade-offs. Uh, look, I don't mean to pick on Francis Collins, but he really stepped in it yesterday. Um, and it'd just be better if he could just be a little more cautious and think through these things before he goes on to national television and makes things that he admits sound a little weird. Did he walk it back at all? Has there been a, a clarification? I haven't yes, seen. Yes, he said it's not. That's not the recommendation. Oh, that's not the recommendation okay. at this time. <laughs> so who chews him out? I mean, he's the boss. So I don't know. Is it the uh, the press secretary? Is it uh, is it Fauci? I don't know. But uh, we have a health and human services secretary. <laughs> we have a president. He reports to. I mean, it's not like the vice president is going to the border, Greg. There's there's stuff that she could do. <laughs> I suppose it could be worse. It could be, you know, put your kids in their rooms and don't let them out until the vaccine's ready. Well, oh, Greg, let's not. Let's not. Talk away these ideas. Well, you know, they're thinking about it. You know, they're thinking about it. But uh, anyway, uh, we'll see what nonsense and craziness and hopefully some good news, too, is uh, waiting for us tomorrow. See you then.
See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for uh, listening, and please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. Always grateful for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Uh, find us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Jim's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday, and please join us on Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hey guys, it's Mock and Daisy from Chicks on the Right. We're excited to tell you about our podcast, the Mock and Daisy Common Sense Cast. From discussing topics like cancel culture, what's happening to our new generations, crises in our nation, and even some high-profile interviews, each week we touch on subjects that matter to us and matter to you. And we're not afraid to tell you how it is. So tune in every week to hear us talk about the things or even just get a good laugh. To find out more, go to our website, chicksontheright.com, or start listening on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to leave a comment, a review, and subscribe.